right. Thank you, Pastor. Appreciate, again, the invitation and appreciate, um, you know, the desire of God's people. Just just uh, the Lord moving and working and just uh, seeking Him, you know, personal revival. Just become more like Christ. And it's just one step, one step at a time. You know, getting out that gospel track at Myers. You know, um, um, making that homemade gospel track. You know, putting those quarters on the on the you know the vacuum cleaner and letting Richard take all of them. I mean, uh, but you know, just you know, that's what it's all about. Bring them in. And you know, one thing when you're you know we're we're traveling a decent amount. So if we're getting like 50 miles away from our church, then it's probably going to be hard to invite them to the church where we're at. But if you're passing out tracks in your locality and in this area, it's a wonderful opportunity to maybe even try to get their name or number if they are asking questions or interested and try to make a contact with them and just let them know you're concerned about them. You know, even praying for folks. I know my um, nephew, uh, uh, Matt Schwender, he's pastor in Latrobe, PA. And uh, he, he and his church, they have a ministry where they engage people and they say, hey, do you have any prayer requests? And what they'll do is they'll pray for those needs and then they'll write that down and they'll say, we're going to be praying about this and then they follow up with them. And he said over the last several years, they've gotten more people in their church, whether they got saved or whether they just started coming to their church, than any other ministry they have. And so a lot of times it's just showing concern for people. And one way you can show concern is by giving them the gospel track and just letting them know, hey, you're a precious soul. You know, people feel... I mean, worthless sometimes, you know. I mean, maybe it's the life they live. Maybe it's the situation they're in. But thank God that, uh, you know, Christ can can reach down and lift them up. And he can use you and I in a special way as well. So, yes, I just wanted to remind you again, the gospel track wallets, those are in back. And then the uh, Bible Transformation Explosion Program. Uh, let me encourage, I was, uh, Pastor and I was again praying before service and uh, just mentioned about uh, accountability. You know, in, in memorizing scripture, if you find that somebody might be memorizing the same set or subject that you're memorizing, and it is customizable. In other words, say for God's word, there's three verses each on God's word is inspired, God's word is powerful, God's word is my meditation, God's word gives me direction. If you want, you could just, if you say, man, 12 verses, okay, that's, you know, that's a lot. But you could just take one of those out and memorize one, God's word is inspired. You can take another one out for God's word is powerful and dwindle it down and, you know, make it maybe more manageable uh, in, as you might see it. Then, you know, uh, you're... Memory, in the sheet that I pass out back there, talks about the memory muscle. And that wasn't original to me. That was something that I picked up from a gentleman. But it's sort of like exercising. You know, if you're, if you start off exercising, whether, whatever it might be, 
you're going to get sore, it's going to be hard, but the more you exercise, the more you're able to do. And the memory muscle is the same way. You know, your brain is sort of like a super muscle and super computer. So the more you go over things, uh, the quicker you'll get it. And, and, you know, it'll just be helpful in that way. So just encourage you just to, just to be faithful at it and just let the Word of God, just like you've done tonight. Uh, you know, a number of you just was able to, boy, just quote that verse perfect. And now it's transferring that not only from here, but to meditate on it. And we're going to look at a verse tonight that you've memorized. If you'll take your Bibles and turn to the book of Psalms, Psalms 119. I'm going to have you look up another verse. So when you get to Psalm 119, 105, and again, some of you memorize it, but I'd like you to look at it as well. Psalm 119, 105. Once you find that scripture, if you can turn to Proverbs 6.23. Proverbs 6.23. And what I want to do tonight is I want to give of these two verses, Psalm 119, 105 and Proverbs 6.23, I want to give an explanation And then I'm going to use an illustration, and then I want to give personal application to these two verses. And I didn't really see what I'm going to share with you tonight until I um, had both of these verses in the series of God's Word, God's Word Gives Direction. Psalm 119, 105 is the first, Proverbs 6.23 is the second, and then the Isaiah 48, 17, and 18 is the third verse. But I really didn't see what I want to share with you tonight. And to be honest, not that, you know, there's no, you know, I'm not the brightest guy in the block for sure, but, uh, you know, the Spirit of God can teach us. And I'm not sure if I've ever heard this, what, uh, what I want to give you tonight. And so I don't know. Uh, we'll take a look here, and then I want to, again, illustrate it and then apply it. Look with me at the verse in Psalm 119 and verse 105. The Bible says this, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Okay? Let's uh, tell you what, let's pray and then I'm going to ask you a question on that. Father, we pray that you'd open our hearts and our minds this evening. Help us, Lord, as we see your word and see as it gives us direction, and see, Lord God, the promises that apply to each of our lives. Help us, I pray, and help us to apply these truths, and we'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, looking at that verse there, it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The two words in there that start with L... See those two words? Lamp and light. You know, when I would read that, I'd think, well, that's just, you know, another word for what God is trying to tell us. Hold your place there in Psalms. Look over at Proverbs 6.23. Proverbs 6.23. The Bible says this, for the commandment is a lamp 
and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. So again, very similar to Psalm 119, 105, it talks about the commandment is a lamp in Psalm 119, 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. And then in Proverbs 6, 23, it says the law is light. And then it goes down to say, uh, and a light unto my path. And so I thought, you know, sometimes, and I'm, let me say this first, I've never taken a Greek course. Have you ever taken Greek, uh, Pastor Cusick? No? Okay. I, I haven't. You've taken Greek course? Okay. Um, you know, my Greek comes from the Strong's Concordance, to be honest. I mean, I, I look it up in the Strong's, and then it'll give the Greek word, and then it'll give a definition of it. And that's an online. I used to use that four-inch thick book that the print was just so small. Now I'd have to get, you know, quart pop bottle glasses, you know, even to try to see it. But I like the online. It's really nice because you can not only see uh, individual word, but you can put a whole phrase in there, and that whole phrase will come up and show all the verses with that. But I thought, you know, I'd just look up those two words, lamp and light. Lamp and light. Let me share with you what I found. Um, you know, and I ask myself, are these two different words, lamp and light, are they referring to the same thing or what, except with different words? But uh, I looked it up, lamp, uh, the Greek word is pronounced near, N-I-R, and they give the phonetic pronunciation as N-E-E-R, near. And Strong's tells us that this word is translated 35 times lamp, 9 times candle, and light 4 times. So generally a lamp, you know, it talks about a lamp, you know, if you carry a lamp around, you can see where you're going, or a candle. That's the majority of ways, 44, I guess out of 48 times, it's translated either lamp or candle, okay? So what I would see that as is a smaller light, a smaller light. But the word light in these two verses is uh, is O-R, which is pronounced or. And Strong's defines this as the light of the day, light of the sun and stars, daybreak, morning light. The word for light is the same one that is used in Genesis 1, 3, 4, and 5, where it says, God says, let there be light. And there was light. So as we look at this verse, we can see how that sort of coincides. It says uh, in um, Psalm 119, 105, thy word, the word is a lamp, a small light unto my feet. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. And then it says, and a light, a big light unto my path. Let me see if I can demonstrate that. Brother Matt's going to help me out if you could, sir. Pretty dark in here, isn't it? 
I, I, you know, I'm right here. I can't see these steps. I don't want to break a leg. Oh, okay. There they are. I can see. You know, I'm not going to put the light necessarily up here. I want it right in front of me where my feet are going, where I'm walking. And God is telling us that His Word is a lamp unto our feet. A lamp unto our feet. And I believe that what He's saying there, uh, thanks Brother Matt, you can turn that back on. I believe what He's saying there is this, is that the steps that we take every day, the, the just right in, right in front of us that we're taking those steps, the Word of God can guide us and will guide us. I mean, it, just in the, in the everyday things. You know, you ever, and this is certainly God can guide us and the Word of God will guide us, but maybe you're going out and you uh, are driving down and you see something crazy on the billboard. The Word of God can speak to you and say, man, that's wicked. You know, you can, you can be, uh, you know, reading something and you say, no, that's not right. That's not, that's not according to the Scriptures. You know, you can, um, and again, this, the Word of God will guide us, but God guides us as well step by step. It says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. You ever been in a situation where you just sense that the Lord providentially hindered you, or he watched over you, he protected you, uh, that specific step that you were going to take? I mean, I'm sure each of us could give testimony of that. I remember when we were in Cambridge, and that was the first church that I we had started right out of Bible college, and and I was uh, doing uh, some insurance sales, and they had a, a big conference for this down in Miami, Florida. I'd never been to Florida. And so our car was a 68 Cutlass Supreme. I got it when I was 16 and a half years. Uh, you know, it was got uh, in 75. I think I paid uh, tax title and everything. Had 43,000 miles on it. You know, nice hard top, you know, yellow in color, 68 Cutlass Supreme. I think I paid $1,650 for it. And that's, you know, what's, what's your uh, lowest amount you paid for a car outside of the Lord giving you one? 275 Now that lasted you a while, didn't it? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's not a... Yeah, but, um, you know, uh, we were, Regina and I, we, uh, my brother James, old, younger brother, he had bought a new K car, and he said, Robert, he says, why don't you take this K car down to Florida? I said, oh, that's great. So we had to drive over to Columbus. So uh, Regina and I went over. Uh, we drove over. I drove the K car back. She drove the uh, Cutlass Supreme back. We were driving over on Route 70, you know, 70 to Cambridge, Columbus, that route. And we were sort of kidding around a little bit, you know. She'd be in the right lane. I'd pull over and I'd pass her up, you know. And and back then, I think the speed limit was probably like 55 or something. So I'd pass her up and uh, then she would, man, I'd see her face, you know. And, 
you know, uh, not quite like that. But anyway, she she had passed me up. We were just sort of, I don't know, just playing around a little bit. And we got home, parked the cars right in, on the street there, and right on Route 22, it was Highland Avenue in Cambridge. And I had the K cars going to leave the next day, that uh, day. And Regina asked, she says, could you go out and back the car up? a little bit and make it, I think, closer to be in front of the house. I said, sure. So I went out there and I I uh, started it up and I started to turn the steering wheel a little bit and all of a sudden it just sort of gripped. And I got out and I looked at it and the one tire was this way, the front tire, the other front tire was this way and the, the ball joint or the the arm thing that comes across was on the ground. I mean, it had been worn out totally. And I thought, man, that angel is really going to be scolding me when, when I get to heaven, you know. However, the Lord kept that together. But here we were, you know, just whatever, 65 miles per hour down the road, and just one little turn and that, that fell off. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I mean, God will guide us each day, and the Word of God will guide us in situations that we come across, situations that we're faced with, whether it's uh, between wrong or right, whether it's uh, between um, serving God and being used of Him, being a witness uh, and, and passing out gospel tracts and trying to reach folks. I mean, all of that is is that uh, that light unto our feet, that lamp, that candle unto our feet. And then it says that, that uh, thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and then it says a light unto my path. In other words, a big light. In other words, the path of life, if you would, that we're taking, God's word will guide us and direct us in the broad range of things. You know, think about you getting saved. Think about the Spirit of God speaking to your heart. Think about the circumstances that worked to bring you to the point of salvation. You know, Brother Cusick showed me a picture that was like 1955 of the Cusick family when his dad got saved and he wanted all the family there. You know, think of those circumstances around that. That uh, God leading your broad path, and that's really the broadest path that there is. I mean, that path that leads to heaven. The path that leads before the throne of God. And thank God for leading us to salvation. Think about, um, think about your spouse. How you met her. How you met him. And how uh, God moved and worked and, and blessed. And he led you to that uh, long-term relationship. Anybody been say or not say, but married more than 50 years here? More than 50? Whoa. One, two, three, four. Praise the Lord. Anybody more than 60? Wow. Man, you got married, uh, Mrs. Cusick, when you were about 10 years old, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, God directing, God leading. I can think of the night 
that uh, the Lord called me to preach. You know, I um, went to Case Western out of high school. I was going to go for metallurgical engineering. And halfway through the semester, I knew that that wasn't what the Lord wanted. So I uh, I did finish the semester, although I tried to get out. And that's a, I'm not going to get into that any further. But, but uh, it's not a bad story, but I don't have time. But anyways, I went the next semester. That was 1978. I went to Tennessee Temple for a semester. And then I came back, and that was June, first part of June of 78. And our college career class teacher at Cleveland Baptist Church, Brother Roger Hoffman, he said, Brother Robert, would you preach at our nursing home for us? I said, Brother Hoffman, I said, Roger, I said, I'm not sure if the Lord's called me to preach, but I guess the best way to find out is just preach and see what happens. So I preached 2 o'clock that afternoon, Sunday afternoon. It was, uh, I think, June 17th. And then that night at the 6 o'clock service, the Lord spoke to my heart through the preaching of the Word of God. They preached on the five generations in America, like 40 years for a generation, and that would have been like 1976 to, or eight, or 1776 to 1978. So that was about five generations. And the preacher said, we've seen revival in the last four generations, but in this generation we haven't seen revival. We need men to stand up and to preach the word and to be Holy Spirit filled so that we can see revival. God spoke to my heart in a definite way that, that evening. I went forward and I yielded to the Lord to preach. And then I, it was interesting, Cleveland Baptist, I think they must keep pretty good records because I asked Brother Pete Folger, who Roy Thompson was pastor then, then Kevin Folger, now Pete Folger is the pastor. And I said, you know, Brother Pete, I said, would you guys have records of those decisions that were made? He said, yeah, they're probably downstairs in the basement. He says, let me check. And I forget, a month or two later, he pulled a sheet out, and they had them all numbered. And I forget in that year if I was, I want to say decision, maybe about 200 somewhere around there, and they had my name there, and they had that I came for the power of God. And I can remember definitely, and that has directed and led my life since that time the Lord's called me to preach. I mean, the Spirit of God and the Word of God will guide us and direct us in not only the daily things, that lamp, that candle, show us the way, because we live in a dark world, don't we? I mean, we live in a in a world that uh, is, I want to say, going bonkers, but they're just going fleshly. That's the natural man. That's what they don't know Christ. That's you can't expect anymore. But that doesn't mean you just let them keep going. You try to let the word of God and and your testimony and your speaking to them wake them up in some way. You know that they might see the only way to heaven and see Christ. But God wants us to to follow this this light. You know, God's word will give you the lamp and light direction you need. Proverbs 4.18 says, But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. In John 14.6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way. 
Want to know the way? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And again, in John 6, 35, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Praise God that we have that uh, that uh, way that is being shown to us. You know, God's word will give you direction. And God gives you promises to trust in for each situation in life. That's why it's imperative that we, that we know this book, that we know the Word of God. You know, it's, it's, Regina and I, we went down for a service in Beckley, West Virginia. My parents grew up around, um, Oak Hill, Fedville, Ramsey, down in that neck of the woods, southern West Virginia. So when we would leave Cleveland and go down for a vacation, we'd go down to Oak Hill, and my dad owned a farm in Fedville, and, and um, where they have the Steel Arch Bridge now. But uh, we were visiting in Beckley, and we were at a hotel, and there were a number of um, sort of like uh, Hispanics there, probably about 25 to 30 of them. And I went over, and it looked like they were dressed like sort of in uniforms. And so I went over, and I talked to the gentleman who was in charge. I said, hey, I said, you know, what are you guys doing here? Are you a sports team or what? He said, no. He said, we're from Columbia, and if you know anything about Columbia, they have, uh, they're the, the ruby capital country of the world, especially green ruby, or I'm sorry, emeralds, emeralds. Uh, they have uh, emerald mines there, and these guys worked in emerald mines. And they were actually in a competition there. I think, I know they have that... Um, Beckley um, coal mine thing you can go through. I don't know if you, anyone's ever been down through that, but you go in these tram cars and you go underneath and go into coal mine. And I don't know if they were doing something there and they earned points in some way and see who would win. There were about 30 different countries there, I believe. But, you know, I did a study on, uh, looked up online about emerald mines. And it's interesting, the one gentleman visited them and he said, you know, we took an airplane, we got to the airport, then we had to get in a vehicle and we drove over rough, rough roads and I forget if it was an hour or so. And then we got out there and then we had to walk a distance and then we had to go on this rope thing, like a ladder that went down about 50 feet into the mine. And so he had to do that. And then they had to walk a distance to get to where they were mining these emeralds. You know, you're just not going to find emeralds on top of the soil just moving a little bit. You're going to have to dig deep. You're going to have to dig deep. And those are where the precious gems are at, diamonds same way. And you know, it's the same with God's Word. You know, God talks about, um, uh, seek me and ye shall find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And we know that, you know, we get saved, but, you know, if we're going to grow in Christ, there has to be that, that seeking and, and not just, you know, like a little chicken scratching the surface. Ah, what's there, you know? I ah, get a little seed. You know, we're going to have to dig deep. 
to get the gems, to get the gold, get the silver, to get the emeralds spiritually. You know, and that thirsting is just so important. You know, I think of Psalm 42, 1 and 2. It says, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. He talks about there, he says, my soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? And the psalmist there just wanted to, to seek uh, seek God and, and thirst after Him. And it's so important that we have that thirst and that hunger. And as we dig deep, we'll, we'll be filled. We'll be filled. But God's Word gives us promises for each situation in life. Um, just a few. Let me just share with you. Uh, doubt. You ever have doubt? What's the opposite of doubt, would you say? Faith. Yeah, faith and trust. You know, Romans ten seventeen says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You know, if we don't want to be doubting Thomases, and I, my middle name is Thomas, so, you know, uh, I don't want to be a doubting Thomas for sure. But, uh, you know, it's it's letting the word of God change our hearts and give us faith. And, you know, God tells us in... In Hebrews eleven six, without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So important. So important. I think of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Talking about faith and trust. Trust in the Lord with a little bit of your heart. Is that what it says? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not unto thine own understanding in all thy ways. Acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy paths. I mean, the, the Word of God will give us direction. God will show us the way. He'll guide us and help us to, to go the way in the good and the right and the honorable and the pleasing way. I think of wisdom. You know, uh, I mean, you know, James 1, you say, I need wisdom. Well, how about James 1, 5 through 7? The Bible says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. The man that wavereth. God's looking for, for one who has faith and trust in him. You know, you think of the, the faith of a grain of mustard seed. And you know, I, uh, you know, I don't know if it's the same seed. I heard somebody say, you see those little lockets where it's like a magnifying glass and you see a little seed in there. And, and I've heard somebody preaching and they said, well, that wasn't the seed, uh, that, mustard seed they're speaking of is even smaller than that but you know you know i would and again i um you know i thought about that in that context that christ is speaking he was talking about a great faith so you know i've preached it before and i said you know i said you know that little mustard seed all you have to do is have a little faith and you can accomplish great things but you know i think in the context of that, 
It's saying that that seed is so small and you see what it blossomed into a large tree that that little seed, little old me or you has great faith and see what can be accomplished. I mean, God wants us to have faith and trust in him, but we see that wisdom, wisdom can be had. How about, um, I know all you guys are super Christians, strong all the time, right? Yeah, I'll hang my head too. <laughs> strength, strength. Isaiah forty thirty one. it says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They that wait upon the Lord. You know, and I don't think he's just saying that, you know, you just sit around and say, okay, I'm, you know, twiddling my thumbs here waiting for God, you know, to give me strength. It's they that wait upon the Lord. They that are before God waiting upon Him, seeking Him, uh, allowing the Spirit of God to move and work in their hearts. Lord, Help me to wait upon you as I seek your word. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew, renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. Strength. God gives us promise for strength. You know, we can, I'm not going to read it, but Ephesians 6, 10 through 19 talks about the armor of God. You want strength? You want to be strong in the Lord? You want to see Him work in and through you? Boy, the armor of God is needed. And every aspect of it, you can read that on your own. How about courage? Courage. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be dismayed of them. For the Lord thy God, He it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. I understand that the primary um, uh, giving of this verse is to the children of Israel, but, you know, as God's people, certainly the spiritual application is true in our lives as well. Courage. God can give us courage to see much done. I think of um, fear. You know, the Bible says in the latter days, in the tribulation period, that Men's hearts will fail them, will fail them because of fear. I mean, people will be falling over of heart attacks because of fear. But you know, as believers, God can give us just the opposite of that. In Psalm 56, 3 and 4, it says, What time I am afraid I will trust in thee. In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Isaiah 41.10 He says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. 1 John 4.18 There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. And again, in 2 Timothy 1.7, we read, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Boy, as believers, we don't have to walk in fear. I mean, regardless of what the circumstances are. 
regardless of what's going on round about us. You know, peace, peace comes from the Lord. It reminds me of the illustration or the the um, competition that they had for artists. And they said, um, we want you to bring your best rendering of what you deem peace to be. Paint it. And folks brought all their paintings in. And some of them had very beautiful trees. And they had a little brook running down through. And they had some little animals there. Some of them had, you know, just the the rolling mountains and that peaceful serenity scene. I mean, just beautiful pictures. But they were going to unveil the winner. And when they took the the cloth off of that winner, people looked at it and sort of gasped. You know what they saw? They saw they saw an old uh, clift with rocks in it that just looked all rough and ragged. They saw a little tree coming out from that cliff that was barely hanging on to those rocks. They saw the skies very ominous, a storm on its way and coming. You say, wow, how is this going to depict peace and not fear? And you looked a little closer and you had a nest on that tree. And there was a mama eagle there with her little eaglets. And she was sitting there peacefully and calm. Even with the storm coming, even with the tree looked like it was going to fall out. And they said, peace comes, especially when it looks like things are dreadful and fearful. The peace of God that passeth understanding shall keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Thank God for the peace that we can have and not not the fear. You know, there's many verses, again, relationships. You know, husband and wife, Ephesians 5, 21 through 33. And there's others uh, that you can look up. I just jotted down a few. Uh, children, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Friends, Proverbs eighteen twenty four, And again, there's others. Enemies. You say, man, does God talk about our enemies? Yeah, those who would be an enemy against you. Those that would hate you and despitefully use you. Luke 6, 27 through 30. So again, God gives us His Word to guide us in the path, even in relationships. As we deal with different situations, different people... We All we have to do is go to His Word and say, Lord, what do you say about this? I mean, oh, my family and my friends and, and those people I work with, they say, man, don't even have anything to do with them. Write them off your list. They treated you horribly. Well, what do you say, God? Hmm. Love my enemies. Do good to them that hate you. That spitefully use you. Hmm. And it talks about heaping coals of fire on their head. That doesn't mean, you know, you're going to burn them up, you know. 
You know, people back then, the way they would get around to see, they would many times have, they would keep their fires with them. So they would have like, um, must have been some type of ceramic thing or something. They'd put it on their head and they would have those hot coals on there. And that those hot coals served for two purposes. It gave them warmth when they would stop. And then it gave them light in the way that they would travel. And when you heap coals of fire in somebody's head, what you're doing is you're, you're giving them light, pointing them to Jesus Christ by your good deeds and not deserving them, not deserving those necessarily, but you're going to do good to them and then you're warming their heart to the things of God. So again, God's word gives us that direction in our relationships. Material possessions, you say, well, what about those? You know, Matthew 6.33, it says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And you read the previous verses, it talks about food, it talks about clothing, it talks about shelter. All these things shall be added unto you. The birds of the air, they don't sow, they don't uh, toil. But God provides for them. How much better are ye than a sparrow? I mean, God wants to meet our needs and He's faithful. And we put Him first, I guarantee you, He's going to watch over us and meet our needs. I think of material possessions, Malachi 3.10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Sharing the gospel of Christ. You can look at Matthew 28, 18 through 20. You can look at Mark 16, 15, Luke 24, 47, John 20, 21, Acts 1, 8 talks about sharing the gospel of Christ with those about us. And we need to be bold and unashamed in doing that. You know, the apostle Paul If you look at the things that Paul asked people, he said, hey, pray for me. Pray for me. I mean, you know, five times you see where Paul says, hey, pray for me that uh, I might get that gold chariot, you know, to carry me around. You ever read that? Me either. You know what the main prayer request of Paul was? Yeah, he said... Pray that I might have all boldness, all boldness to preach Jesus Christ, to share the gospel. He was in prison. Hey, pray for me that I might boldly speak the gospel. But Paul, you're in prison, you know, just, you know, take a little time off there. I mean, wait until you get out, you know, just relax, rest, you know, take it easy. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, from his journeys and all, he had to rest and relax some, But, you know, he had a passion to reach folks. And and so God help us to be bold for Christ. Excuse me. I think of the the thoughts of your mind and and your heart, what you think about. Philippians 4.8 gives us some things we ought to think about. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, Whatsoever things CNN, NBC, and Fox News tell you. Oh, I'm sorry. That's, that's not in there. Um, uh, whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. 
whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. So again, the Word of God gives us direction. You know, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? Again, don't consult with man, consult with God. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know, the children of Israel got to the point in Isaiah's day where they were just so wicked and against God and they just, they just didn't want to hear it. I mean, um, and God was speaking there in Isaiah 48, 17 and 18. And he said this, he says, Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. You know, we can switch that around, I think, and still be uh, true to the Scripture. Thus saith our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who loved us and died on the cross for us. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord thy God, which teacheth thee to profit which leadeth thee in the way that thou shouldest go. Oh, that thou hadst hearkened to my commandments. God was brokenhearted over the condition of Israel. He's brokenhearted over my condition, your condition, when we're not walking in His way, doing what He'd have us to do, seeking Him. Oh, that thou hadst hearkened to my commandments then, had thy peace been as a river. You know, we're, um, what, are we 20 miles from the Ohio River here? or 18, okay. You know, I mean, you ever go down there? I was down in um, Wellsville, and I, they had a bench there right by the Ohio River. And I went down there and I sat on that for a little bit. I was down there doing some things. I sat on that and boy, that river just so peaceful. Just continues to flow in ripples of little water. Thy peace shall be as a river and thy righteousness as the waves of the sea. Boy, you go to that ocean and you see those waves coming in and they keep coming in and they keep coming in. God's saying, I'll make you something special you'll become more like Jesus Christ. You'll, you'll, you'll uh, be more like the Savior if you just take heed, seek my direction, listen to my word, follow in my ways. God wants something special out of my life and your life. But it's not going to come if we neglect Him and His word, if we don't take heed to what He tells us and to walk in that. Let's bow our heads if we would, please.